Welcome everyone to another episode of Neogada Podcast The Journey. I am your host for today, Utkarsh, along with my very good friend John. So we are the founders of at least two founders of our company Neogada, which aims to bring all neuro-minded people together. And what we aim with this podcast is basically to bring forward the journey of every neuroenthusiast that we come across. And recently, um, I got in touch with Ines. And Ines, she is a med student at Anglia Ruskin. And she is also aspiring to become a neurosurgeon, which is super interesting. And yeah, um, uh, Ines, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my name is Inesh, uh, Inesh Khoya. I'm a third year medical student now here at AAU in Chelmsford. And uh, yeah, I'm a, an aspiring neurosurgeon and also a researcher in neuromuscular diseases and the area of neurodisability. Um, I'm really originally from Portugal, so I'm not actually from the UK, which is something that people find quite interesting why I moved out. Um, but I don't regret it. And it's been three lovely years here, even with the pandemic hitting. And it's been a good journey in medical school. I was going to say, I think this is our first neurosurgeon as well, isn't it? Aspiring. Aspiring. Yes. <laughs> but it's no. the first person we've spoken to who's going down that route. Yeah. It's been a lot of researchers so far, but someone who's actually looking at like... And the practical you, you side You're probably going to be yeah. doing research as well, but like who's yeah. more interested in the practical side, which interests me because I'm much more practical-minded than research-minded, yeah. unlike the rest of <laughs> my co-workers. <laughs> But if there is anything, Ines is actually the first medical student that we have on our podcast. That is true. Yes. Um, as a guest. Yeah. <laughs> I did my medical undergrad as well. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, lots of terms and condition and if and buts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like leaving that behind. So um, really curious um, because when I was doing my undergrad and then um, the first thing in the first year that hit me really hard was the physiology and anatomy and like you know like it was so good just to look I mean even the section of brain yeah. the section of brain is the best thing it's that I ever major. did I know yeah, right so for me um, apart from me being interested in the nervous system during my schooling years as well like I started developing a lot of interest in neuro side of things um, uh, and then like by the end of my medical undergrad like I was very sure that I wanted to have a career in neuro-related fields. Um, unfortunately, I did not continue in clinical, but I switched to cognitive neuroscience research instead. But then still, it was always in my mind that I always wanted to play around with brain science and then look deeper and deeper into um, you know, how our brain functions, how our peripheral nervous system functions in collaboration with um, you know, every single neuron that we have potentially right um so I w i'm really curious um how did you develop interest in the direction of becoming a neurosurgeon um right so it all uh, started in first year so in first year we only had three blocks which was res uh, resp cardio and gastrointestinal which has nothing to do with neuro to start with uh, but we did hit the pandemic hit in about march uh, of my first year and so i went back to portugal 
And at the time, uh, my exams were cancelled, so I didn't have finals in, in my first year to do. And I started playing around with some websites, starting to get a bit, because uh, I was interested in surgery from the get-go. I started looking into the Royal College of Surgeons um, in Edinburgh, and I was looking at some courses they had, especially during like June time. There was nothing much to do, so I was just started looking at some courses. And one of the first few that I started watching was about neuromuscular diseases, um, the brain, um, and all of that. And I just we had no teaching so far about it, and I just started getting very interested. I, I didn't know that was an interest of mine. Um, and after that, I started reading some books around the area as well, because my mom's very enthusiastic as well in medicine, so she has a couple of uh, medical books at home as well. Nice. So I started reading around those books, in this case in Portuguese. Um, started reading around some books, and then started watching more lectures, started getting engaged with some society, started talking with some people in the fields, and all of a sudden there I was, engaged with neurosurgery and neuroscience, all like that, spontaneously. Sweet. Um, uh, of course, neuroscience as such is like a massive... Yeah science in itself and um, like is there anything specific that you really like about neurosurgery and neuroscience as such or like is it just the general likingness towards this field? Um, so my main uh, interest is in neurodisability so children neurodisability and okay. neuromuscular diseases uh, so that's my my main interest uh, because of the connection between some of the congenital syndromes that babies are born with like spina bifida and other ones um, and connect that practical side to the research side and then the overall growth of the child with that condition essentially so that's my main my main interest so more into the pediatric side of, side of things great great I actually did um, an elective rotation in pediatric neurology when I went to states for um, six months mm -hmm. so I did few rotations in um, like neuroradiology but then pediatric neurology that was awesome like it, it's so good to sort of like look at the developmental aspect as well as the clinical aspect that comes along with it but yeah um, I totally get it totally get it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah awesome awesome um, John hi well I was gonna say <laughs> what's really interesting is the um, obviously you're here studying but you took action in your free time in your first year like yeah. you said like basically everywhere shut down university wise was a nightmare in during the first pandemic rotation i think we can i think it's fair to call it a rotation yeah. and it's really interesting that you took it on on yourself to go and find something and the fact you had no idea you were open to anything and you found like neurosurgery yeah. is i find that really interesting because like you said like it's such a diverse field and having people from many many different backgrounds to have someone medicine go hey i didn't know about this 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 is really cool yeah. and then looked more into it and found so did you look at obviously like peds is like where you've settled mm -hmm. but did you ha did you have an interest in any other areas as well or? um so at the, in first year i was very very open-minded still so that pediatrics interest has sort of built on since then especially from meeting people at placement and talking to some surgeons and getting some research um in first year i was open to anything um, and I started getting, in, because in first year, uh, that was the first time I also created LinkedIn. And I started having a look at some people on LinkedIn as well. And I started meeting some incredible people on there. Um, and I started getting involved with some uh, societies and some charities, such as uh, BrainBook here in the UK. So yep. I've been part of BrainBook. It's my third year as part of BrainBook. Um, and I met amazing people on there. Um, I also was um, engaged with uh, Lenox Hills Hospital in New York. Uh, because they had a series on Netflix, I don't know if you're aware, called Lennox Hill. Um, and I used to, uh, the moment I watched that for the first time was incredible. They go through the journey of a lot of um, patients that go through neurosurgery. 
and um, at the time they were looking for students around the world that wanted to be engaged with them as ambassadors and that was it. I was like, yeah, I'm applying for this. Um, and uh, I started getting engaged with all the courses, the conferences they had. So, and I, and they are most fo more focused in uh, like brain tumors and uh, vascular uh, injuries. Um, so at the time I was open to to anything really. The pediatric sort of um, interest, it, it came, it grew on me essentially. Mm. Especially in my second year, we had pediatrics, and one of the parts of pediatrics was talking about um, neurodisability. And I don't know, it just touched me then. I was just like, wow, no, this is, I want to look more into this. Because I also have um, someone in my family that uh, does suffer from um, uh, ADHD and ASD. So the, he suffers from um, autism. So, and I've sort of grown up with him. And I don't know, just interest was always there. And then all of a sudden it just woke up one day. And since then it's just been my, my thing. No, that's really, that, that's, I think that's a great reason to do it. Yeah. Um, like I've got quite a sporty background. So for the longest time I was looking at TBIs and ABIs and things like that, that really interested me. Yeah. And like, obviously I could put my experience of like, hey, I've, you know, I have suffered one or two concussions over yeah. the years. <laughs> so I do, uh, like the TBI stuff really fascinated me. And I've moved away a little bit as I've actually come into re like actually doing like my thesis and stuff like that. I've ended up going different directions, but I've always had that interest. And it's really nice to hear someone who's gone, hey, I found this, this is, this is my calling. And being able to know that this is your calling at this point and all the work you've put in yeah. is just really admirable because like you've gone, okay, I want to do this. I've decided I want to do this. How can I do it? And you've gone out there and you've actually started making the connections and meet, yeah. meeting the right people. And it led you to Neurogether. Yes, that is a plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's kind of, like, it's what we are saying to you before, um, you know, before we started recording. It's like, that's kind of like for us, the ethos of Neurogether is to have that, we want you to be able to talk yeah. to other people. And yeah. if you're very, very new to the field and you're like, I love this, but I don't know what I'm doing. It yeah. can be a little overwhelming. So... That's that yeah. That's why the, I'll read the resources out there, obviously. But obviously, for us, you again, yeah. it's this big thing of like, come here, come talk yeah. to us. Yeah. <laughs> here, Ines, there there was this one thing that you mentioned that was really intriguing. You mentioned that you like um, the event that you went to, sort of showcased the journey of the patients who have suffered and went through the surgery, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so Carter, he's another co-founder of Neurogether and today in the morning when we were coming here, we were actually talking about potential ideas of what other things or what who would who could potentially be other guest speakers for us with whom we could potentially talk about their journey. Given the fact that when someone suffers from it, they actually sort of read a lot and sort of make themselves aware of things mm -hmm. like this. So we were actually thinking that it might potentially be a good idea to actually get not the clinical, rather like um, the doctor side of guest speaker, but get patients to come speak to us and their journey through their struggles and then recovering or current whatever challenges they face to talk about that really and bring them out to us and then potentially there would be a lot of other listeners from this side of yeah. the world who could actually hear them and then potentially connect to them. So yeah, that was something that we could do. But yeah, um, John, did you know like Ines is also someone who was recently awarded with Research Team Award at Anglia Ruskin? I did not. That's <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> so, so she's not just into clinicals, but she is massively influenced in research as well. That's fantastic. And that is respect. It was a team prize, though. It was a team prize with another team. fourth year. Yeah. So um, with Anna, Anna Curriero. So I'll acknowledge her. It was, a, it was teamwork. Um, yeah, it was 
It was surprising. I think um, there's only four cohorts so far in this medical school. So um, the fourth years and us a little bit as well sort of built the traditions and sort of the legacy in this medical school. Um, and when we got here, that that were that and still nowadays there's not a lot um, like research opportunities for us. It's, it took a long time for us to get comfortable with research and finding opportunities, and the majority of them are, are like placement. Um, that we find like consultants are interested in doing something with those registrars that like oh do you want to get involved with this or that mm-hmm. or like on LinkedIn for example someone comes <coughs> up with like oh I'm looking into this do you want to be part of it sure um, and me and her we were both international students uh, so we're both she's from Italy I'm from Portugal and I keep telling everyone I think that does have some influence on on the opportunities we take and how much work we put into things mm-hmm. and how, ma- how much passion we have for the stuff we do because I think we look into being able to study in another country and being involved with research and things like like this podcast, for example, we take this very seriously. We mm. think back at home, I would be able to do something like this. So I think that's why we it pushed us to do a lot of research and get involved with areas that we like and can not easily, but can if we do look for the right person, we can actually follow. Um, and uh, with time, we just started um, grabbing some projects here and there, search, uh, researching some, some things inside the medical school. And then when we look into it, we're like, wow, we're doing loads. And then our um, dean at the time was very amazed by all the work we were doing so far. And then we were awarded the prize. So uh, I'm just really curious. So what research did you do as a team? Um, so we were um, part of, we, I didn't, we didn't found it, but um, we were the president, vice president of the Surgical Society in the last academic year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had three conferences throughout the year. So we had one on women in surgery, um, uh, international women in surgery. So we brought a lot of speakers from around the world and a lot of uh, delegates around the world. Uh, we had about uh, 1,000 delegates online that wow. come to the conference, which was the biggest so far online conference at ARE. So we've that's massive. That. So that's that, massive. From 65 different countries. So it was a massive, massive conference. Um, and we had a pre and post conference survey at the time uh, to think to look into the impact of doing something like like this. Uh, Watch at home international women's surgery conference with loads of speakers, loads of thousands of delegates. And we grabbed that data. We started looking into the impact we had, looked at other conferences in the past, and we looked at ours had a ma- major impact. It's one of the biggest conferences I've done online. So that was one of the research we did. So we looked into the impact that our conference had. Then we moved on to doing a global surgery conference and once more, hundreds of uh, delegates around the world as well. And we did another um, piece of a manuscript really. We wrote a paper at the time and is now um, waiting to be published in the BMJ. Sweet. So we're looking, we're, we're waiting for that. Um, so um, yeah, we wrote that manuscript as well into global surgery. Now at the same time, we met a lot of people, uh, Broomfield especially, and we looked into, we did loads of little abstracts post presentations in different conferences, start writing some manuscripts, trying to publish them. And I think it was the first time that the med school saw that we, we were getting, like medical students were getting engaged with, with research. And um, that was basically the, the first part. And now it's moved on to other areas in the, last, in the last six months. It's moved on very quickly. Now with a bunch of projects in my, in my back. So, so it's been good. Award winning, about to be published. Third year medical student. Yeah. 
do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. I do. I need to sleep. I do. Need to sleep. I try to always sleep seven, eight hours a night. I need to. Otherwise, I can't function. I was going to say, it, it sounds like you do not give yourself a downtime, which is very admirable. Like, we know the feeling of late nights and yeah. early yeah, starts. Yeah. And well, John here recently submitted his dissertation for his master's in cognitive mm. and clinical neuroscience. Yeah. So he, like, after lo- lots of long nights, he can finally, like, sleep. sleep. I think the last time he slept was for 12 hours. Yeah, straight. like, the, the very first night, that you know, the day oh, wow. I'd finished, I think I crashed for about 13 hours, but I'd had about 18 hours sleep over four days prior to that. So, you wow. know, because I was still working as well. Yeah. So it's like, go to work, you know, get up, go to work, come yeah. home, study, or stay at the university and yeah, study. And do it, yeah. Yeah, it was a... Long. That last little slug was difficult, <laughs> but <laughs> got it done, got it out of the way, got it finished, submitted. So just fingers crossed on the results now. Good times ahead, good mm. times ahead. Oh, sorry, I, I, sorry, I wanted to go back to... So something you said uh, earlier, fair. obviously, that you've mentioned that you are, um, you know, Portuguese. Yeah. Um, you started talking uh, before with me, like, why you decided to come over here. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like why why the UK and maybe not somewhere else in Europe? That's that yeah. could be interested by that. Um so the one of the things was obviously the language here. So um at the time there's um there's this program that links Portugal with another co- with other countries to do to do medicine. So I didn't study in Portugal uh, because um I wasn't looking forward to the way they they do medicine there. I think there's uh, is a lot of uh, theory mixed with placement, but you never really stop theory. So you you have lectures all the way through th- throughout six years with some placement thrown there and there. And while here is like preclinical and then clinical, and that I was like, yeah, I really want to just move on to placement. Um, but I didn't get into Portugal into medicine uh, regardless. So I looked into other options. Um, and the main thing was. One of the main things was the language, or the easier, because I am fluent in English. I thought, if I am going to study somewhere else, I don't want to be learning another language right now, especially for medicine. It's just going to be way too complicated. Yeah. And I read a lot on the on the NHS as well. I read a lot the, about the, medi- um, the healthcare system, and I was just amazed by, by the fact that you can literally, at 8 a.m. in the morning, call the GP, say there's something wrong with you, and they can help you right there and then. And I just found that amazing it's just it's not something you get for free in so many other countries in Europe so I just got I was a bit passionate about the NHS and I already looked into other medical students that were here from uh, other countries and all of them talking about the amount of opportunities they had while they were studying here and the fact that they could join things like this podcast the podcast that I was telling you about uh, being able to join societies um, like the surgical society I was involved last year, being able to message a surgeon on on Twitter or LinkedIn and be like, can I can I shadow you one day? And you get a, a yes or a no. But um, the fact that you have that chance to, mm-hmm. um, well, I, I didn't have that much feedback in other countries, and the program does help you to meet other students from other countries that have been through the same the same journey. And the best feedback was people that came to to the UK. So ended up being my my choice. Thank you. Great. There was something again that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned that you've done lots of conferences, mm-hmm. right? And like a couple of them at least, and you've got major traction. And one of the aspects that us Neurogather team is looking forward to is actually creating events as well. So because like of course we are creating a networking platform and we are creating supporting content like we are bringing forward new enthusiasts such as you. But at some point, we're also planning to sort of 
either as an individual company or in collaboration with other societies or people create events for new enthusiasts so we are um out there we are like i mentioned earlier through texts that we are collaborating with um, bbms so building bridges in medical sciences yeah. society of university of cambridge but and and you said that you had examination during that time yeah, so you yeah. can yeah, um, <laughs> but i was wondering like um would it be something that you'd be interested to to sort of um work together in future to yeah. sort of create an event like that could be potentially yeah. blended like having a part online and in person as well because we are primarily focusing on in person events to begin yeah. with but we are happy to have it blended as well and because we are very much focused on the newer side of science like clinical research or academic or whatever but i think like given that you have such an influence already on the clinical side mm-hmm. um i understand that the conference that you did was for surgical society yeah. um so like if you move from there towards more neuroscience i think it it is so it gets a bit more niched yeah but like i think it'd be really nice that we could potentially collaborate and then work on something yeah. create something amazing That's here amazing, like in yeah. local like in Cambridge yeah. really like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean <laughs> <laughs> we're well, from Cambridge, well around, but right now we're right yeah. Yeah. okay, <laughs> fair. So in Essex and Cambridge yeah. locally. That would be something that, that would, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little obsessed with uh, conferences and events like that, not gonna lie. Now that I've found this little little passion and little talent out <laughs> public speaking and everything, I they're find really f- I love they them. are fun to do. Like they're they fun are. to atti- they're fun to attend as you know, someone who's yeah. interested. And they're stressful to organise. Yeah. But they are you know, you get so much from them, and yeah. just you always you, you're always going to learn something new. It might not be what you think you're going to learn, but you will yeah, always learn something new. Yeah. And just the context and the people you meet is makes it so so beneficial. No, definitely. I think it might be. It, I think it was easier for us because everything was online at the time. Mm. Bringing people online is a bit easier. Is literally telling some speakers you only have to come to a Zoom call for one hour telling us about this <laughs> and they 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 come around i think um in person there's a lot more logistics that you have to take care of so that yeah. might make it a bit bit harder but i in f- my first year i was already part of the Sur- surgical society and we did have a face-to-face conference our first face-to-face conference at the time before the pandemic um so i yeah have some experience with face-to-face not as much in organization but i've attended know how they they should they should go and i have a lot of feedback from students that attended at the time but I think, yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, that's definitely something like a potential plan that we could work out mm-hmm. for later. Great, 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 great. So so we talked about like how you developed your interest mm-hmm. uh, directed towards neurosurgery. Um, and now, like, of course, we are all very aware that COVID has struck us hard and then we had to improvise and, you know, work our way around this whole situation. So what sort of like as a medical student and as an aspiring neurosurgeon what sort of challenges did you face in this period well well the pandemic's a big one yeah. um, obviously <laughs> um i think although although it, it is a good thing it's, it ca- might be a bad thing because i got a bit obsessed with it was saying yes way too many times and for some people they i get criticized they're like but that's good you're getting the projects you're you're getting so many opportunities to do so many things, but sometimes you have to learn how to say no. Yeah, and that there, took there me- is, There's someone else in this room who could do yeah, learning that lesson. It took me a long time, <laughs> a long time to learn how to say, no, I'm too busy. Mm. Um, which was in a way is not 
it wasn't a challenge to find the opportunity. I found them and I did get in contact with people. But then I was being thrown with a lot of things that I could get involved with and I kept saying yes. Mm. And only when I, there was a period where I was asked to take part in three literature reviews and I had about like a week like to get through them. That's when I, I said, to, I told myself no. Yeah. No, learn how to say no because they might look amazing on your portfolio in a couple years time. You might look a bit better than other candidates but you're gonna look back and you're gonna think that's that was way too much. I couldn't handle all of that. Um, and so something that I've learned throughout this year, uh, because I because I got engaged right from the first year. There's a lot of people that know I'm engaged with research and I'm interested in neuro, especially because I've already sort of ch- chose my path. It's easy for people to come to me and be like, "We know you're interested in this. Let me give you this opportunity." Um, while other people that are not they're not sure what they want to do it's harder for them to to follow yeah, yeah. some things because they don't want to get involved with one thing and then three years later like actually I don't like that yeah. and I, they have like five papers on that on that topic mm. um, but for me I had yeah I have that passion and people do contact me saying like oh we have this we have that we have this review we have their abstracts and I keep saying oh yeah yeah I'll try that yeah I'll, I'll help you with that yeah I'll help you with that and then my to do list is just endless mm. and I think the biggest challenge for me was yeah, you have all of this and your belt, but learn how to say, learn how to say no. Cause you have, at the end of the day, you're a medical student, medical studies come first. Yeah. And although you want your portfolio to look amazing, look over your, your mental health in this case. I was gonna say, there, there is that whole, I think that's for everyone who studies, there is yeah. learning the work, the work fun yeah. balance is, yeah, you want to pursue these things because they interest you and you know that or oh, in the future this could be really really good for yeah. x reason or y reason but i think a lot of students did the whole thing where they're like they say yes they take on things they try new things and like you said you just get so overwhelmed at some points yeah. and, and you have to remind yourself hey i am here to study i am here to do i am here to work towards this yeah, goal exactly. and all these other branching things are amazing and there's so much fun and i'm yeah. loving doing them but if this suffers i can't do that yeah so yeah i think that's a really good skill to learn and um yeah it's, it's, for it's a, a very good student. skill to learn yeah. if someone can learn it. <laughs> I could try. I could try. <laughs> no, like I've been trying really. Like um, I, I, I do the same. I take up too many projects and then later I just think, okay, dude, I should have stopped. And But like recently, okay, uh, yesterday I got an opportunity to become an admin of ARU Entrepreneur Society. Mm-hmm. And I had to say no, so I did Good. say no. So it, uh, it's not making that bad. Steps. It's making steps. Making steps. But making from steps. anyone that would hear this, like outside, they'd be like, "Why did you say no? <laughs> that sounds yeah. amazing. Why did you say no?" But then you have to think to yourself, like, but then it's the how much like, would this damage me? Yeah, <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, I've now got a little bit more freedom because obviously I've you finished my master's. Yeah. But you're juggling PhD, yeah. this, uh, at least one role, at, uh, another role at the university, and it's like. I know it's it's crazy because like so I'm in my third year of PhD and it's crazy already and now is the time when I have to sort of like look towards finalizing things completing my thesis chapter and stuff like that along with that being in the UK you need to survive as well coming from like being a tier four visa student you need to earn so that you could you know self-sustain yourself so I'm doing a 20 hours part-time job as well and on top of that like PhD it being a full-time thing already in itself and then working on a startup which is a full-time thing like way more than full-time thing yeah. it takes all your time okay yeah. <laughs> my supervisors won't like it but still uh, yeah like it is something that like 
puts you in like taking up so many things together it puts you through some sort of mental challenge and there was a phase when like john had to actually tell me dude you need to have some downtime you really need to calm yeah, down and then like let let it be a bit more chill beyond that i basically kicked your door down grabbed you by the back of the neck and dragged you out and said right no work for four hours just because yeah like you said it was that whole yeah. thing of like you have wake up one day and you go what am I doing? When was the yeah. last time I, you know, I, you know, I touch grass? Because yeah. <laughs> you wake up and your to-do list, the amount of things you have to send or emails you have to look at or things you have to review, mm. and you look, you look, you're just like, no, why, yeah. why am I doing all of this? There's no point. And then I feel like you, then you start doubting yourself. Should I be doing this? Is it something I like? And mm. maybe it is something you like, but you just got so overwhelmed now that you're doubting doubting that passion that you have uh, yeah, that's that's the one thing for me is that I found with my masters I'd, I'd made it I had so much to do I was trying to you know run my study do the startup I was wor- I've, I've worked two jobs I'm also coach and it's just like yeah. it was getting to the point where like I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't pick what to focus on and then when I finally got round to focusing back on my studies I was like I don't want to be doing this it's like I just want it to be over because I'm not enjoying this now and that's that was disheartening to come to that conclusion and I had to kind of push through that to start off with and then I you know I got it back again and I was like yes I can do this I can finish this I can get this done type thing but yeah that that little mini self-doubt and like mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be doing this right now yeah. that, that was that was a difficult one for me to learn I think you always come to that phase in your life where you second guess what you're doing and then you know it it it's it takes courage to deal with it mm. and i think you dealt with it i'm pretty sure in su would have come or faced something similar and then mm. like making decisions these are the hardest thing executing is another thing but making that decision yeah exactly. i think it's like it takes a, a toll. i think it's really like for both of you the fact that you've left you know your home countries and gone and studied elsewhere like you said you've done a rotation in uh, when you were doing your undergrad yeah. you did a rotation in America since doing your PhD you've just come back from Zurich <laughs> and it's having that courage to say hey I'm actually going to push myself so far out of yeah. my comfort zone I want to go and do this I think that's really really admirable um, and that's when it starts being f- uh, easy to say yes to, to things because you just took that major step in your life yeah. everything else just seems so easy yeah. yeah yeah I can do that yeah I can do that you know uh, that is when you need a second second person to yeah, give you the reality check exactly. that <laughs> that's when you go back to your friends and like colleagues and your tutor even at the uni and they're like what what are you doing yeah. <laughs> like stop but because there's much going on it's not just well not my life or anyone's life it's just medical school and research has so much more going on. I also had a part-time job, yeah, which I just stopped because of this month before exams, but I'll probably go back after exams. Because yeah. like you said, you, you still need to pay yeah. for all the things you, you were doing. No, you can't true. have fun without having the money to have fun. Yeah, yeah, um, so damn, you And you need yeah, to have fun. <laughs> you need to have fun, exactly. So um, yeah, and yeah, I had to stop, for, for example, societies, I had to stop them for this year. I had to, throughout the summer, I had to rethink and and put myself first essentially and think yeah. what exactly can I do re- in reality what can I do that won't affect my medical studies and yeah. then I just had to say no to a lot of things and a lot of people came to me this year and asked why not involved with that anymore where I still I still the assertion president or I still involved with that society and that and that and that and I'm like no and they're like oh well it just stopped and I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it to. had to be done it had to be done and this year 
I stopped societies at ARU. I stopped a lot of the things I was doing here um, to a more like external stuff, more involved with research, but like hospital level mm-hmm. research with like supervisors and in, in Broomfield, for example. Um, and like I had to take on a job this year um, financially wise, I had to take a job. So I started working as well and I was like, no, you don't have time for everything. I had to have fun as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's learning how to balance it because and learning how to not not look back like um I don't look back at it and, and be sad that I quit I look at it and I'm like actually I'm happier now that I'm not doing it anymore yeah. um but I do miss it and to be fair one of my one of my friends the the one that won the research prize we we usually uh, make fun of the situation that like actually probably would prefer to be doing like conferences and events yeah. throughout the whole day and throughout the whole <laughs> week than like doing doing this it just sounds so much fun mm. um because it gives you more reward in the present yeah, and then it does and uh, the right in that moment in time it gives you so much reward. Yeah. You're like wow that was an amazing day we brought yeah. hundreds of delegates it sounds amazing and then oh wait that's it <laughs> yeah. yay little so accomplishment. my question for you now is yeah. uh, forgive me i don't actually know much about the course here for medicine so mm-hmm. is it the standard like seven year that's a seven um, year course or so it's five years but i'm gonna do well hopefully fingers crossed i'll do six years because i'm doing an intercalation uh i'll, yeah. I'll apply for it so yeah, yeah, but it's five five, five years so it's two and a half preclinical and another two and a half clinical so what's what are the future plans is what i want to know because if you're a third year now yeah going forward what are the goals so my like right now my current goal is to get into my intercalation degree so that's the the thing in the future that I'm looking at is finishing my exams and thinking f- and looking forward into my intercalation. Um, I've applied already for a master's in research for next year. Sweet. So that's that's what I want to do. And people are really um, hoping that I, I get in because that's something I'm very passionate about. Um, and then after that, clinical years. Um, and I I really I'm looking forward for, uh, to my electives and everything. I really want to travel. Um, and then. People ask me a lot if I'm going back home, which is th- something I just can't say yes or no to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if I really want to follow and become a neurosurgeon, if in three years time, that's still my goal, um, I'll I'll do the specialty here. I'll do all my studies here. Um, but um, there is still this little bug inside me telling me that I you do want to go back home. But um, you're so passionate but, about NHS. But, yeah, exactly. But go back, going back home in terms of like having the chance of working back home, yeah. not yeah. like just not staying there and working as a consultant only there, but having the chance of tr- uh, working there at some point. Um, because I still, because I have a lot of uh, my friends that are studying medicine back at home, and I, I imagine them being becoming a doctor one day as well with me, me being here there and them being there, being there. But I also want to go through that experience a bit because I moved out of my country. I never gave myself the chance of of studying there and becoming a doctor there. So I still want to, at least for an elective or a, co- or a couple of months, if that is that chance of going back home and, and working there for a bit. Um, but my future, I think, is here. I don't I don't see myself going anywhere else, at least for now. Um, but time will tell. A lot of change with the pandemic, a lot of the things I was looking forward to do changed a lot. And sort of a lot of projects have been delayed with time because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what in three years, if my master's goes well as well, how that goes and how how passionate I still am with Nero after the after my master's and time will tell I guess once it gets to that point there's a, still a few years down the yeah. line until I get there there. Is a, there is that and I realise that's a big question it's like I don't know because I don't even know where the hell I'm going to be in six yeah. months potentially Do you, I understand that was a big question but it's really interesting to see how people 
how they're thinking and how they're yeah. setting their goals and what they're aiming for and it's it's nice that you've got that hey this is that big goal there yeah. how I get there is I'm going to do yeah, like you've exactly. got your little yeah, steps yeah, yeah. worked out I think for some people and I'm terrible for this is like hey I have a big plan but then I'd sit down and go okay well how do I get there yeah and finding step a b c, you know yeah. the fact you've worked that all out that's that's really really good true um uh, I, I am still lingering around the fact that you're in your third year of medicine and like you would you must be reading about ENT or Oftal right now, yeah. right? Uh, you would not have entered um, medicine, ops and gynae, proper pediatrics as such yet. Um, have you, like, did you get opportunity to sort of get more experience on the neuro, neuroscience by your third year as such? Or like, so are you still waiting on having the proper exposure to that department as such? Um, so actually, we've already gone through all the blocks of medicine. So we've okay. done everything. Okay. Uh, so actually, this is my last week of med school preclinical, essentially. Okay. So I'm finishing preclinical this week with actually OBS and gynae. So this is our last oh, block. Sweet. And we had neuro for six weeks in September and October. Uh, so that was as much exposure as I had in the medical school side of things. Um, but then being involved with... Uh, people at Brain Book. Um, I'm also part of uh, Walter E. Dandy. I don't know if you know about the, the big yeah. neurosurgical society yeah. around yeah. the world. I'm part of Walter E. Dandy as well. Um, I talk to a lot of neurosurgeons and neuroscientists um, that I'm involved in research with or societies and, and all of that. So I've gained more exposure externally than actually with the medical school. But we hadn't had any placement or anything yet. So I haven't actually, um, virtually I have, but I haven't actually met any patients that have been through neurosurgery or anything. Um, so it's mainly been a virtual sort of passion, if that makes sense, so mm -hmm. far, because I haven't met a lot of students. And it's hard to get placement in that area as well. It's not as easy because we don't have a lot of neurosurgery um, here going around. Usually everyone just goes to London, main London okay. hospitals. Um, but during this summer, this is one of the goals I have. I do want to spend some weeks um, shadowing some, some surgeries and, and looking into neurosurgery. That's really nice because when I compare this to what I did in India, so uh, it's pretty much, I mean, the general structure of it at least is similar because we have four and a half years of theory and mm -hmm. then one year of internship and the four and a half years has two and a half years of preclinicals and then two years of clinical as such. And it's not until fourth year that we get an exposure to all yeah. the departments. So till third year of my life, in medicine school like I did not really get that much exposure compared to what you're mentioning right now so like it's really nice to hear that like um, I don't know it might have changed right now in India as well like I'm not that much in touch with my colleagues at the moment but potentially there might be some more opportunities um, that might be given to undergrad students in medicine but as far as I remember like it was a bit restricted when it came to early exposure to clinical experience as such but I'm really glad that it's different here and yeah. maybe maybe this is something that could be generalized all over the globe yeah. I don't know uh, like do you know how it is in Portugal um so yeah that's that's not a lot of um placement as we call it in, uh -huh. in Portugal and in terms of clinical is more so they have more like four four years of preclinical just theory 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 and more community like GP um, placements and then the last two years they get around and they go through uh, rotations but uh, I think it depends much on like the grades in terms of the you can choose your rotations depending yeah. sort of the grades you had 
so far in medical school. So uh, I guess if you're like more top student, you are interested in neuro, then you can go for like a six week rotation in in neurosurgery, okay. uh, as such. Well, here I think it doesn't really matter. They they throughout the next two years and a half of clinical, you should go around all all the blocks. You should go around okay. to all the departments. Uh, but then it, uh, I guess in surgery you might get in contact with neurosurgery, and then when you're in neuro, maybe get in contact with more neurosurgery. Now this is again a big difference from what I experienced in India because so after the four and a half years, like during that one year of internship, that is when we had monthly rotations, yeah, and we did not really have much choice. Like we had mandatory. 10 rotations in the department and the last two was something that we could change between four to five departments as such. Specifically for neurosurgery, you did not get a specific rotation in neurosurgery. So I had to sort of make contact with neurosurgeons there and during the entire time of my internship, I had to basically poke someone and say, can I like just be a part of something really and then get some experience but I, I was really lucky that um, so I met a couple of really nice neurosurgeons there one of them is Dr. Virat Hirsch so he got me into academic writing he did a lot of research and um, yeah he, he's a really nice neurosurgeon and um, yeah like he also gave me some opportunity to actually be in a neurosurgical operation theater which was really nice um, because if I were not in contact with her, him um, during the entire phase of my internship, I would not have got the chance to have exposure to neurosurgery. So I think like, again, like it depends quite a lot, like how much you take yourself out there and put your enthusiasm in front for someone to take you yeah. in really. So, yeah, but, but it's, it's really good to know the diversity around the world, yeah. how it's sort of developing in different countries. It's interesting so. to hear you two talk, because obviously I've got no, no knowledge at all about like medical, like doing a medical degree, but hearing you guys and the similarities, but at the same time, the differences and how like country to country is, yeah. is completely different, but you still end up touching the same blocks. Uh, that's why I wanted to ask you, um, you say it's, is it two years pre and then two years uh, clinical? Uh, you said so it's two two and a half so and a half. Uh, halfway through my third year which is right now uh we finish we finish preclinical mm -hmm. so around now march time is when we finish preclinical and then from now on the next the rest of our third year fourth and fifth are clinical and then in portugal you're saying it was four years they ha it's about four years preclinical so lectures and then two years um, of, okay. of rotation in your opinion which one's better um what's the better way of approaching it more theory less uh no, no, no. For me, it's uh, practical. So, mm -hmm. um, because they don't have a lot of, um, we still get a lot of placements throughout this preclinical. Pre we still get a lot of times we go to the hospital and GP, although it's preclinical, we still go um, quite, since first year we've been going to hospital. Well, uh, my friends, now only in third year, they've getting the chance of meeting some patients. And even then it's like in the GP sort of community, they haven't really been to hospital much and actually- Is that in Portugal? Yeah, in Portugal, yeah. Um, so, for me at least the way I learn I'm very practical I'm very like a visual learner so mm -hmm. when I do see a patient with a certain condition I will keep that patient in my memory for a long time and I'll always associate a certain condition with the patient that I've met on placement yeah. or uh, while looking at uh, notes on my on, on my laptop or anything that just doesn't work so I would watch a lot of videos for example on patients and stories of patients and all that because that's easy for me to understand their journey and uh, while they have to just look at books and back in Portugal they just have to look at books and and listen to lectures all day long for four four years and I just I know I just couldn't do that I know I just couldn't do that 
No, I was just. I'm very much a visual learner as well. So yeah. for me, like the act of getting hands on and doing something, yeah. which is probably why I'm more like inclined to go the mm-hmm. uh, the clinical route as opposed to research route for my next steps. So it's just it's uh, that's why I wanted to ask you that because uh, being similar minded, I was like. Which one would you actually say you yeah. prefer? I mean, obviously you came to England to do it this yeah, way, exactly, yeah. so yeah. it's it is going to be this way. But I just wanted to know what you thought about the other ways of doing it, because like you said, everyone is everyone is very different. Everyone learns differently, and I think it's great that there is the opportunity to go to a different country and study in a different way. If you have, I obviously have the ability to learn. It's like I can't speak a word of Portuguese, and if I wanted to do medicine, there would be no point in me going. Yeah. Play. But have the opportunities there if you can do it. I think is is fantastic uh, don't oh i i have lots of questions <laughs> no i mean not questions but point of discussion um i wanted to ask you about um neurosurgical department or yeah society here at angry ruskin um and just trying to sort of find resources for my research here as well do you, do you guys here at ARU Med School have um, enough neurosurgical exposure? Say, for example, do you guys have access to invasive electrophysiological um, procedures here? Um, because, like, um, like say for example, are there any epileptic patients with invasive procedure in hand? Because in my line of research, I could definitely like use that potential opportunity to do some um, really nice electrophysiological study so I'm just curious do you guys have that resource at the moment Um, I I don't think we do has like a union of medical school I don't think we have a lot of neuro exposure um, inside the inside at least in Chelsea in the Chelsea campus Um, we do have a neuropsych uh, society which you could get in touch with yeah Um, so we do have a neuropsych society uh, also founded by medical students Um, but um, there there are many departments here of neuro because Obviously, the med school's been here only for four years now. Yeah. So I think everything's starting to form now. Um, contacts, even with hospitals, everything. Especially during this year, we've seen a lot a lot of changes and a lot of growth um, in the medical school. So if there is any data or any patients uh, that you can contact, get in contact with, I think it, they are sort of building that system now. It's not, okay. There's not a lot. Not a lot What's yet, no. the hospital in the vicinity that... Uh, Chelmsford campus could actually access to because if yeah. it were Cambridge it would have been Addenbrooke's yeah. and Addenbrooke's has world renowned neurosurgical yeah. department really so um, so we well knowing for from our placements we um, go to placement and I imagine that's the hospitals we we are attached to that would be Broomfield Basildon Colchester uh, Southend on Sea okay. I think that's the those are the four hospitals we get in contact with but mm. again none of them are like neuro uh, they don't have a lot of like neuro departments. They're not known for no, neuro department. We're not okay. really linked to, for example, London Queen's Mary, which has a lot of As more I say, Lon- neuro research. Like, yeah, London would be the big one. Like yeah. we are very, very blessed that we've got Adam Books there. Yeah, but trying yeah. to get in, trying to get an in there is which is actually my goal hospital. Adam Books is actually where I want to work. Awesome. That's I've where I want to work in a few years. Actually, that's my sort of goal. Um, FY one, FY two goal. If hospital. I'm not wrong, <laughs> it's Department A four that is neurosurgical department there so i went there once and like it was so good to see and just have the feeling of being there it was so good i mean there's a lot though that goes on in cambridge isn't there there's is it cam science i mean to be fair like there's so much collaboration between the clinical world and the research at addenbrooke's because Mm. it's not just university of cambridge but anglia ruskin university um 
professors, they're also in touch with Annenbergs and they frequently make research happen with Annenbergs. And given the fact that it has such a wide spectrum of resources available there, um, like just the other day I was uh, searching for jobs just for the fun sake. And I saw that um, at least 40% of the job that you get as a research assistant or something that is linked to Addenbrook somehow because most of the research projects, yeah. clinical or purely research, they're around that area. Yeah. Or at least at least because I was looking for jobs in the neuro side of things, e either psychiatry or like proper neurology as such. But then, yeah, like, I think I think it would be really great to get like more info on that and then try and network and you know get access mm. it's definitely a place that we we should be encouraging um contacts with not just for us as a company but to be able to i mean lead I on and share with you know people we work with, uh, like people who use our um, i've just had a complete mind fart then <laughs> <laughs> what was the word i was looking for um Oh, I don't know. Our website. Well, I used wasn't the word I wanted to use, but platform. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, that was a dumb moment for me. <laughs> it's all good, buddy. You it, just I say, summoned defense, your dissertation. In my defence, I have also been up since six thirty. Yeah, <laughs> to be at work. So no, like, like I said, like we are aiming to get everyone here and share their journey and experience and put themselves out there so so far like we've had podcast recordings with undergrad students with master's students with phd students um now med students and um we are sort of like not just one university or one locality mm -hmm. two university in cambridge now in chemsford and we are sort of expanding our reach and i would really want to get someone from the clinical world properly in that world so just mm. from the hospitals who is working as That'd a clinician yeah. like practicing as a neurologist or a neurosurgeon to come share something so yeah like it's actually an open invitation if you know someone who is actively involved in um you know um knowledge exchange or display someone who is actively involved in spreading the knowledge to social media or something and want to you know put it out there we're happy to get in touch and yeah like get them on board so we're coming up towards like the end and I always like to ask this final question. <laughs> what advice would you give for someone who's looking to go in a similar route to you? So the medicine base, maybe having a medicine basis already or and then I'm looking towards neurosurgery or just looking at medicine in general, like what advice would you give them to give themselves a good starting position? Um, I'll say although that is the opposite advice I give myself nowadays, is do you take those projects, do you take that, those opportunities that come around. Um, some of them won't come around again. Uh, some mm -hmm. of them are one life, one sort of- Once in a lifetime. Once in a report. lifetime yeah. sort of opportunity and you will learn so much from them. Um, if there are societies in your university, get involved with them right away, try and be part of them. Um, if there are projects going around the university, talk to them. If there are tutors in the area that you're interested in in the university, talk to them, get involved. And don't be ever scared, ever, of asking to do stuff. Don't don't be scared of messaging someone you see on LinkedIn that sounds so inspiring and really does the research you're doing or really is going through the, is in the path that you want to go. Message them, ask them if you can get involved, you can shadow them, shadow them one day. Um, a lot of them will say yes, a lot of them are enthusiasts and they do want to get medical students involved and be open-minded at the end of the day. Although 
I I know I'm very interested in neuro. Everything could change in a couple of years time, mm-hmm. and I don't want to look back and um, and judge myself for st- like being very focused on a path and then choosing to do something else. So even though I'm interested in neuro, I'm very open minded. And if one yeah. day my mind changes, I don't want to look. I don't want to look back and think, wow, that was a waste of time. I was going to ask so. you that, even though like you, now your direction is neuro right now, are yeah. you still making sure to expose yourself yeah. to other other fields yeah. within medicine? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want day change the route where I'm going and then looking back, I only did things related to neuro mm. and I don't know anything about any other specialty. So, and I think that's why in medical school, I, I really, I really take... Um, I really try to get the most out of it when I go on placements in other departments and when I do study other things in medical school. I try to still get engaged with the subject the same way I would with neuro. Um, and the, although I have some parts of science with neuro. Um, but I try to keep myself open in terms of surgery and still do other things surgery related. I do know that I want to get into surgery, so that's definitely not going to change. Um, but yeah, I, I still try to, to get engaged with the other departments and other subjects the same way. Okay. So that was the advice for people who would be entering neuro or like just building their career in it. Like, um, before we conclude, there's one last thing that I wanted to discuss. So, um, you know, like there are two ways to it. Either the one who are coming to this position or the one who has already been in this position and are now professionals and are working in this area. Do you find that there is some sort of disconnect or there's some sort of challenge with the existing professionals or do you think it's um, pretty well managed already and you wouldn't want to change anything that is right now or is there something that you think would would potentially help the cause of spread of knowledge and um, like spread like better neuro practice as such so um, you're asking if what what can change the medical professionals? To uh, is it, like what? if there is anything that you think would potentially help um, change things better in the professional world. Oh, so but like to medical students entering the profession or j- already who are already there. Um, I think I'll I'll talk a bit about um, work life balance in in the professionals in this area. There's a lot of stigma around um, neurosurgeons being crazy people <laughs> because they take a lot of uh, research and a lot of things, and then they don't. People think they don't have a lot more going on, but neurosurgery. I would say that when you get into neuro, there's so much out there. There's so much to explore. You do get engaged with the subject, and then um, you lose a lot of the t- the free time you have. And one thing I'd, and, and I think that's not just neuro, but instead of like medical professional, medical profession, uh, professionals overall. I think it's important to um, to balance that work and that work life balance. I I don't want to get into the profession, look back and think I I'm not happy. I should be spending more time with my family, my friends, and doing the things I love. So I think if there's something that should change is the way that medical professionals are working nowadays and the the amount of weight and the amount of work it's on top of, especially neurosurgery and and a lot of the the doctors. Yeah. Okay, great. So, with this, do you guys have anything else to say, or shall we go to wrap? I think you've answered everything I wanted to know and more, <laughs> so I'm very happy to end it on that. Yeah, Ines, do you have that. any concluding remarks? Um, I just say, um, um, I just say to stay open-minded, really, especially in medicine. Um, and one thing that I'll take 
out from this podcast is learn how to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I will keep saying that to a lot of friends and a lot of people I do know, and especially the new medical students that I meet uh, when they come into uni that come to me or ask other friends of mine about some projects. Learn, l- learn how to look at that project and think, will this benefit me in a couple years' time? Mm. No? Then don't. Okay. <laughs> will this benefit me right now? It's Are about, you enjoying it? Yeah, it's about Are managing you your time, it? Yeah, isn't exactly. it? And it's like, yes, you can do things. Yes, you can do things that make that will improve your future. But at the same time, do things that are going to make you happy yeah. right now. Exactly. Great. Awesome. So with this, we can end the podcast. And like to conclude, like if anyone out there who would want to talk about their experiences, want to share it with the world, you're more than welcome to get in touch with us. And yeah, we can get talking. All right, then. Take care, everyone.